The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe. And worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. On the dot. August 14th. It's 9.03. Broadcasting live from the LSCR Studios, downtown Conroe, Texas. You can catch us on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy Live. Of course, IRLoneStar.com worldwide. Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. We are on Facebook right now. I am. Uh, I'm going to keep a... Uh, Again, you just killed it. Like you well, can, I don't know. You like, can go out a little bit. Like I'm talking like a little flame burning out. Not like... A gust of wind. All right. There you go. There we go. So you slowly do it. Bring me down a little bit. Bring me back down to earth. Let's do it. We're getting there. So he's 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 doing great. Unfortunately, he's leaving us. He is leaving us. He's leaving on a jet plane tonight to one of those I states, Indiana, where he's going to further his education and be further indoctrinated in the pinko communism world Mm -hmm. of advanced learning. Is that what it is? Has it always yeah, been like that? <laughs> well, there you go. No, you did great that time. That's actually, it. yeah, oh, nice. that was, that was really you. good. Actually, and I'll say kind of rightfully so, it's, you know, if before somebody gets thrown into the harsh world of reality and corporate America, whatever, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be exposed to idealistic, I, I, well, I hate to, well, idealistic I ideals. I went to college, and I didn't really meet communists. Communist. Well, See, there, again, there, there are phases in the school, 60s. So they're yeah. they're yeah. a little bit like, if you haven't been baptized, we shall kill you. Literally. And, of course, in the you know, you know, you have Kent State, you have Berkeley. You know, you have ones that that's what they're kind of designed for. Did I ever tell you George Sakai came to our school to protest? Did he? Yeah. What was he protesting? Because we're a Christian school and clearly we're against homosexuals. So he came, and then what was weird is the uh, theology department invited him in and they like to talk. Mm-hmm. And so the protests didn't happen. They just had a, I guess they turned it into what do you call it, like a speaker series symposium. <laughs> it was really weird because because we got we were told like, hey, they're going to be protesting over here. Just to let you know, don't park your cars. Mm-hmm. Like they're just letting us know mm-hmm. that protesters were coming. And then it didn't. They never showed up. They were like, if you want to come listen to George Sakai, I was like, oh, dude, Star Trek, hell yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and then uh, so that was fun. But I was, I don't. That's the only thing I can think of getting close to something that might represent what you're trying to say. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's the stereotypical thing. Now, I think there is a schism. I do believe more mainstream universities are getting more overt with particular political leanings. And, of course, remember, there's a difference well, between mean, social I guess learning what, and political I, learning. The issue I have with that is most major universities are already in a town that is already controlled by one ideology almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i mean i i mean the only thing i can think of is like the flyover states might not have as liberal influence as like say 
UT University of Texas definitely has. They're in Austin. They got to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. influenced, and NYU and Cal and all them. Yeah, yeah, but see, but just down the street with Texas, you got Baylor. Baylor's not. That's liberal, what I'm saying. It? It, no, it's not. No it's idea. the exact opposite. Baylor's medical. Ba- Baylor's science. They're full of yeah. troublemakers in their football team. I know that. Oh. <laughs> so, do they, the, they even have a football team anymore? I, I, I don't know. I couldn't name. Do you know one. if the Big Twelve's even playing football this season? I, I know. don't know what that means. No, no, it didn't. The, didn't like the Big Ten or the Big Twelve or something. Yeah, Big Ten said they weren't. Yeah, yeah. Big Ten. And so everyone else Pac is going to. They're going to follow that. Mm. And uh, I think I don't think they are. I, this is these people are from Texas and around this area. They're going to be like, no, nah, we're going to play football. And what's great is everything's going to have an asterisk, just like the Astros, on every title that's earned this year from any major sports. Like the baseball player right now saying, "I, you know, I have a one thousand batting average because he's only hit once." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's one of those deals, especially when when you're a if you're a professional baseball player, would you consider whoever wins the World Series this year winning the World Series? Sure. Why not? Oh, that's a good answer, I guess. Why not? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, no, it's it's like the the World Series is, or basically every championship game is the last team standing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's just like this well, y'all aren't year. sports people, are y'all? No, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I gotta put that. Yeah, out. I don't really I don't. care. When's the yeah. last time you bought See, actual a ticket to a game? Yeah. Not probably not like, in this millennium. My, so my, my high school go. homecoming game, probably. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Let me let me let me no, no. let it's me over. circle around. Conversation's over, dude. No, I got to out boomer y'all. <laughs> Why watch sports when you can play them, huh? That that's always been my thing. Like oh, I'm watching easy. it. Well, like, oh, easy. Play okay, that. look at me. Put me on a football field. That, watch was, me die. Had watch you that. been had you been playing football rather than sitting and watching football? I'm five foot six. I would watch you play football anyway. though. Sean, I would huh? watch you play football. I You'd would watch me play football. Now, play football. no, here's in my youth, I played rugby, and I love. They should rugby. put you in that lingerie <laughs> football league. <laughs> I would do that. I'd go run <laughs> around was, on banana no, hammock. Have you ever seen those shows? They're, they hit yes. each other, dude. So it's football. So yeah, it's not like I get it. I mean, I don't. I don't see why you're so like interested in actually doing that. I mean, get beat up. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I enjoy football because it, or all the sports because I like watching. Uh, cheerleaders that's me no i mean I, don't, I just enjoy watching people at the highest level compete at anything that's like, why I I'm, I'm a fan of the olympics for it, that very I'm, purpose like, of totally the pan american games like when you watch the chess oh, yeah. like America. i love that watching the highest chess like when they do the international i forgot what it is and they have like the biggest game mm-hmm. and it's just two people in this I, I love watching it because you're sitting there going, I have no idea what they're like even <laughs> attempting to do right now. Is that good? Is that bad? And then even the announcers are like whispering to each other. He's reaching for the rug. He's, doing... He's looking at C4. Well, no, and you know they're in another room, the so why are they whispering? Because it's, it's awesome when they, they do that. All the concentration they need. Yeah, that's right. Plus, they're like... No, what they need—they need to go the other way with extreme chess, where like every time you you move the piece, you get this loud and you know, flash of light and stuff. Let me—there t- is an extreme chess. Oh, what is it? And basically, it's chess mixed with boxing, where between <laughs> rounds, you 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 do a play. I believe it. Sounds like a slide that yeah, sliders did, episode where they're on the planet. Round, that's a lot of rounds, though. Like I would—I'd imagine it'd be like two minutes. Everyone well, yeah, two I minutes. mean, I, I don't know the exact like. <laughs> 
<laughs> specifics of it, but basically it's like you do a round of boxing, and then after that you play some chess, and then you just keep going between. Dude, that would and, be heat. And as the like, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm definitely okay with see, that. And as the acute watch. subgirl hematoma start forming in your brain, you try to, <laughs> you know, move your piece. Well, you know, uh, we kind of forgot to do the whole intro. Sponsor list. I know uh, we got. Sorry it. about that, guys. Let's you go, go for it. Let's go back. Pump up the music again. Let's redo a little bit of an intro. You're listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings here on Lone Star Community Radio. We do have a special guest. We're going to have Dustin Bass. Uh, take it down a little bit. I can barely hear myself. Uh, That's kind of what I liked about it. Uh, we have Dustin Bass from Sons of History. We put all the information of that YouTube channel. It is a very neat, locally produced history channel i guess would you call it a history channel i would and i I know the missus is very interested because she's been on this documentary in history kick lately yeah so so she's tuning into these guys you can actually uh, check out some of their videos we'll probably play the intro video before he comes on to give y'all an idea they have like a kind of like what they're about video Mm -hmm. on their youtube page uh so you guys can get to know it and then i also want to say a special thanks to our sponsors so far today clean sweep office cleaning small business office cleaning uh, needs one time to schedule cleaning 832-689-7996 and then C3 Creative Content Creations uh, they have videos, social media, writing if it's creative and tangible they do it C3thewoodlands.com and then I want to do a special shout out to Blooming Mod they will be Blooming Mod yeah that's uh, Ashlyn who was with Switch for mm-hmm. so long she does her own uh, out of her garage she has a beautiful little setup it's all uh, been authenticated by the hair people, uh, licensing people. Mm-hmm. So I get my haircut. I'm getting a haircut today. It's a special shout out to her. Look at Blooming Mod if you want your hair. She's well, the one thing that stinks is she does does coloring and stuff. Like that's her specialty. Mm. But she, I mean, <clears throat> a guy's haircut is not complicated, so I'm I'm okay with it. But I feel like her talents need to be used somewhere else. If she's cutting my hair, it's like I'm not going to do anything special. I just want to cut mm-hmm. it. Cut it off. I don't know. Let her frost your tips yeah. or the whole shebang. Well, if I lost a bet, go for I'll, I'll do that. But I haven't lost a bet yet, so we haven't really gone with that. Copy so, that. So special shout out to them. And don't forget, at 10 o'clock, we are giving away uh, two books from Terry Weaver. I believe it is one's a uh, nonfiction leader book, mm-hmm. and I still don't know the name of it. And the other one <laughs> is the uh, – I'm going to look it up. Sorry. I'm always – I'm the only one doing this. You want to look it up? Do you want to do it? You said you <laughs> want to do all the the the, the maintenance. I'm looking stuff. it up. I'll I'll bring it up later. But you still have time to enter. All you got to do is call us uh, at or text us at any time at nine three six two two eight nine three six eight. Email us at dickenskippy at gmail dot com or uh, direct message on facebook dot com slash dickenskippy. Just say you want to enter. We just need to know your name and a way to contact you, and then we'll enter you, and you'll win one of the books. Uh, so we are, we have plenty of people right now. Uh, so Keep, we need more people, mm-hmm. so it's not hard. There you go. I've, I've run out of fake names to, to submit <laughs> for me to get this book, so yeah, that's one thing I was kind of worried about, to be honest. No, I, I believe in buying books, especially for, from local authors, kind of give them their 12.5% royalty rate. Support your local book scene. There you, know. you go. Yeah, how much money do you get from doing a book, Sean? Because you're a writer. Yeah, well, um, it depends. The royalty rate p- pretty much goes from about twelve point five to twenty five percent, depending on. It's a dark day in Texas and an evolution of a leader by Terry Weaver, local author and publisher. So, evolution actor. of a leader is where he looks at leaders throughout history and, and kind of gives like a best of a bio and their 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 stances and what worked for them and what didn't. And then, the, of course, the novel is is 
loosely based on a show that he's doing. Yeah. Based on a, a character that's loosely based on his former life. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in both of those. But yeah, as far as royalties go, um, you know, I had a sliding royalty scale with my publisher that uh, up until a certain amount of books, uh, it would be 12.5% that would go up to 20%. Mm. Uh, and so for every copy that's sold, you get that percentage. Hmm. It doesn't seem like a lot. Well, the more books you sell, the more you get, and you get paid quarterly. That still doesn't seem like a lot. 12% of the sale? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a lot. Well, yeah, of course. Every, well, and don't forget, that was back then. Now, nowadays, you have more and more vanity presses or self-publishing where you get to pretty much keep all you put in. But look at the outlay of that, because that 12% or 12.5% that I got back originally, that was... I didn't have to pay for any of the galley, mm-hmm. any of the editing, any of the printing, any of the distribution, any no, of the marketing. So it much. it does, but you know, you sell enough to make it worth their while, and and it, it goes up. You you get more. No, let me ask you something. I was thinking about this uh, with reading. Everyone kind of says, "Oh, reading. No one reads anymore." You know, books like mm-hmm. hard books. Do you think that when the wave of popularity happens in a certain novel or whatever book, like, for example, Harry Potter and Twilight, like mm-hmm. those are the ones I can think of at the top of my head in the past 10 years that have, like, really pushed people to read. Do you think those books hurt the long term of interest, readers oh, interested in? I would say no. Not every book has staying power. Like, not every movie ages well. Well, because to me, like, I, I did not get... I read a couple Harry Potter books. Uh, they were good, but then it just, like, after, like, four of them, I was like, I'm not interested anymore. And then, like, Twilight, never. Like, I don't think I'd ever be interested in reading that. That's for it, girls. Well, no, it just, <laughs> like, it just sounded like a very soapy kind of thing. And, but... Then again, like I can't really judge what the world kind of wants to read, but do you think those quality of books, like, yeah, well, it, it's it's reading the market. You know, we went through uh, for a vampire phase. You know, with Anne Rice and and then Stephanie, what's her name, um, Meyer, Meyer tried to you know add that to the young audience market because young audience became a thing where you know yeah. the, the te- teeners and the tweeners. So where you got the the twilight. So now we have a generation of book readers who read. The fantasy books. Now, what are they reading now? Well, as a former one. Uh-huh. Uh, so you read The Twilight? <laughs> no, I. Um, you're actually thinking of a much older generation because Harry Potter and Twilight was like early 2000s. Yeah, that's what, well, yeah. Well, when I was growing up. But like, Harry Potter also had a lot of readers it did, of no, all like, ages. I, I did like so. in middle school, I did for sure read every single one. Yeah. And cause, but that's more just because like that was like, you know, the, like the standard for today in terms of like fantasy reading. But for like the real ones were more of the the teen dystopian novel. I'm talking like mm-hmm. Hunger Games, the Maze Runner yeah. series, uh, Divergent. All of those those were the real like the most recent one in terms of like popularity and all that. And I was super into all that stuff. Like I'm talking, I was like a fanboy. I was on the all those like um, forums for the books and yeah. all that. The hungry, even, even, the hungry games. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh no, my my main one was Percy Jackson. I loved Percy oh, Jackson. Oh yeah, so they much. have a couple movies, and they have they, the movies are garbage. Well, yeah, they are. <laughs> of course, they are garbage. I always must like come come to defend that. And yeah. uh, also, a quick aside, I would like to address Mister um, Dennis, yeah. who asked me to easten up on my use of like when I'm talking. For uh, sure, I, uh, I I'm very much aware of it. I have to edit my own show, and it drives me crazy. But like, like what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, 
that's how thanks, I talk. Dennis. Thanks, you're Dennis. gonna be like, yeah. If I may, mm-hmm. an awesome resource for you that would that would help that. Uh, look at Toastmasters, Toastmasters International. Oh, I, I don't care to fix it. I'm just saying this is how I talk. <laughs> Absolutely, and you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with hey, it. Oh, hey, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't I don't care. Yeah, like you can say like I'm not gonna come up to you for saying oh, no malarkey. You know, like it's Golly. how you talk. I it don't is. care. Hey, uh, Dennis, Misty, Bert. Joe, others uh, logging in. Thanks, I appreciate it. Nice thing about Toastmasters because I I went that whole route. It teaches you how to properly do like public speaking and get mm-hmm. over stuff. In fact, the first speech you have to give is called the icebreaker, and it's timed. You learn that you know do you, you have three to five minutes. Uh, there are competitions that, that where be, you can do something like that. That would be the uh, icebreaker for me. But when you, you give a speech, they have someone like who's called an awe counter, and they're someone with the bell, like those hotel bells. Mm-hmm. And every time you say ah um or you know like they ding it. So let's, it's almost Pavlovian, so you know mm-hmm. what you're saying. And it helps you get over that. Now, I absolutely agree with you. You have a speaking pattern. You go for it. Yeah. I mean, I like, like I said, just there. Um, for sure. You know, it's, it's also, I am the age I am, and I'm going to talk how my other peers talk. You go, Popeye. I, I shall. I shall. <laughs> um, but yeah. Or, or Yahweh. You know. I, I can bust that out, that out every now and then, but cool. Yeah, but yeah. So and because the Percy Jacksons and the Hunger Games that came because of the generation, the half generation that came before getting into the youth market. You know, last time youth market was so. When I say youth, I mean young adult. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 young what does teenagers. That consider? Is that like up to twenty? So, that's like twelve to maybe twenty. Yeah. Yeah, it's the last time before that we had were books like. Robert Silverberg science fiction books like, uh, you know, uh, The Time of the Great Freeze or or um, A Wrinkle in Time by Madden Longo. Right. Yeah, and, 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 and some of them fall into classics mode. Now, the thing about Twilight, I don't think it'll ever become a classic with full staying power. Now, You think they're going to remake the movies? I Golly, I hope not. I think I can I, see I like... I think it'll stay. I can see the CW, whatever that representation kind of group is going to mm. be in 30 years they're going to be like yeah we need to bring back twilight dude i think in yeah. 30 years is going to realize it's just something inherently icky irretrievably and, and icky do, to have a and they do shades of gray what is it called 50, 50 shades, shades of gray, of gray. Mm. that's a book you like that kind of stuff and actually the 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 author of 50 is it based shades off of you uh, yeah no <laughs> but the author of 50 shades of gray was a former twilight fan fiction writer mm-hmm. so it, it all connects well, it's I mean, just, and there's, you know, there's always. I feel like there's always room, or not room. What's the word? There's always a genre for those kind of those kind of books. They've been around. Like, think about Fabio. Like, he's like the main cover artist. When people think of those romance novels that you buy at the store, like the dime uh. store and stuff, <laughs> and those have always been around. So I don't. I think a lot of people read things that no one really knows about. Mm-hmm. And but I've never been a reader, unfortunately. So I've read like. You know, I read books before, but not. Mm-hmm. I'm not like my mom was. My mother's always been one of those people who's always reading a book. So before oh, bed, yeah. she's reading a book, and she goes through books. I don't know how many books she read, reads through a year. I mean, I think at one point she was reading like 17 books a year or something like that. But they're all <laughs> amateur. They're all like uh, fiction. And my dad's a nonfiction guy. He's the one that is probably interested in today's show with Sons of History. That's all he reads mm-hmm. is any type of history book about people. And I'll mix it up. I'll go like I'll read a thick biography like John Adams, and then I'll read I just by read. David McCollum. And uh, but as far as my novels concerned, I got insanely lucky that my the only reason I was a bestseller. Was because you my paid somebody. <laughs> uh, 
No, it was I. My book came out around the same time as a very popular book in the same genre. And back then, Amazon had this thing saying, "If you like this book, try mm-hmm. this book." And mine got tagged on to uh, my book got tagged on to the Time Traveler's Wife. That movie, that movie sucks. But the book was everybody was buying the book because it was on the heels of Titanic. What was the purpose of that story? To show that love's not bound by time. That's it. Yeah. Like I didn't even really know why they loved each other. I didn't really get it. I've never heard of it. Faded by the Stars. It's uh, you understand what I'm talking a, a about? couple, and he's unstuck in time. So every time they meet, he's at a different point in his life, and so she's trying to maintain this relationship where oh. she's going A B C D E F G in her life, and he's going D A F W K. And I don't really know why you like somebody like that. I don't think. Yeah, you, that's, I don't that think just you, sounds difficult. Uh, yeah, I mean. Well, yeah. I can understand if there was like a destiny thing involved, but it wasn't. There wasn't like a whole thing where they were meant to be together. It was more yeah. of just like, oh, I'll see you later. You're interesting. And then mm-hmm. he disappears. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back. And it's like, oh, I remember you. And then it's like, let's let's have a baby. And it made no sense. Right. Yeah. And my book got marketed by my publisher as a time travel your, I need to read your book. That's why I need to So do. does my wife. So what do I have? <laughs> And I need to read all these books, apparently. I need I want, Actually, I kind of want to enter for the fiction book from Terry Weaver. Just I do what I do and do a fake name. So, or I, yeah, 12. A Dark Day in Texas. Because I, I enjoyed Bosch. This, the, oh, the, I am the, loving the TV Bosch. Series, so I'm kind of like, you I know, know those are books. That's well, a yeah, series of that's books. That's what I was like. You know, I might want to check that out. And then this book, The Dark Day in Texas, sounds like that. So I guess I'll check it out. Misty's dad. R.I.P. Um, Misty uh, was a Louis L'Amour fan, and when I was very young, I gr- would grow up on my father's books, which were Louis L'Amour, Zane Grey, you know the westerns. Oh yeah, well my favorite mm. bu- my favorite book is the the, the Rise of the Purple Sage. There That's you my go. Book. They need to make a movie of that. That's a strong woman character, like, and she's going against Mormons. I mean, that's so great. Hmm. I mean, think about that. Those wacky Mormons. So the we need. Shebang. Yeah, that book. That book could be a good t- current day book because you know. We need a strong leading lady. We do indeed. But uh, I want to say welcome back to Bird. He's been out for a while, but um, you know now well, he's getting I, back to work. So let me ask you this: I was diagnosed with dyslexia in like third grade, fourth grade. Okay. And I had a I attended uh, classes for basically that for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. two years. Like I basically was by myself pronouncing things for two years, trying to learn. That kind of stuff. So would that prevent me from enjoying reading? Oh, I, I wouldn't think so. I always felt like that's why I just didn't like reading because I was like, it's just, this takes too long. That absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, even nowadays, they have determined certain fonts that are yeah. dyslexic friendly. You know, it's become a science. Yeah. Once a generation hits where you say, okay, this is not, you know, this is an actual issue. And I lived this with the early days of autism mm-hmm. or when PTSD was recognized as that instead of just, oh, you're just Mm shell-shocked. You know, when you realize this is a serious issue and uh, dyslexia is a real thing and you can put science behind it, it's amazing what you can come up with. And actual, there are fonts that help dyslexic children. Uh, Even that. Uh, I love the fact that if you buy a Kindle book and if it's or an Audible book, like... like It'll read along with you? Yeah, it's you can get both for like the same... See, right. I, I might start. I can get a book and then the audio, audible version. Do you do audiobooks? I never. I have a couple, um, mainly for I when I'm driving. Okay. I'm not a fan of them. I prefer hardcore. Uh, but stuff. like you know, my big tablet here. This is a Kindle. This is not mm-hmm. a you know an iPad. Something. This well, there, is a Kindle. What's interesting? Uh, there has been an advertisement for Audible for the Sandman, uh, the comic, mm-hmm. the graphic novel, I guess. And I was like, why would they do an audiobook yeah, wait, for a graphic yeah, novel? <laughs> 
And, and, and but I mean you can't. But they had some big actors in it. I they was about my- to say, it's one thing to to read the book now. Like I love uh, Paul Reiser read his own audio book, and and it was a wonder, wonderful uh, read or to listen to. But the new thing is to do dramas with with yeah. actors. So it's one thing to, oh, to have I someone just Sheen's reading it. In it I think. Uh, who well, are, I told you about the, the Alien the Three new Xavier guy audio. Who's, who's the new Xavier guy. Oh, uh, uh, James Xavier? McAvoy. Yeah, he plays Sandman, and then like there's a couple other. Yeah, and that's that's a new market. People are realizing it, that it's one thing to just listen to a, a voice drone on about his his or her own book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it was like, hey, let's get a famous person to read this book, and then the next logical step is let's do an audio drama. Yeah, and I think I told you that the original version of Alien Three, the script that was written, they had to get rid of because it involved the Soviet Union had to still exist for this movie to happen, mm-hmm. and. So what? it was shelved rewind, for decades. Rewind again. What is this? Start over. Alien Three, the sequel to Aliens. Okay, you, yeah, you told me about the the script came out, and it was a great script, but the movie wouldn't have made sense uh, with barring because of what happened in real life. So it got shelved, and they came up with a stupid prison plan. That oh, went, I didn't know Alien there. was based off real life stuff. <laughs> uh, so, well, you had to have two stations, and one of them was run by the Soviet Union. Yeah, you can still have the Okay, after the Union. 1990s, the you didn't... You mean... It's just overrun by okay. Gopniks. Like. No, the movie Iron Sky literally has the Nazis on the moon still. I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want in movies. Yeah, but yeah. same thing with 2010. The movie 2010 didn't age well because the whole thing is the Soviets and the Americans are trying to hit the monolith at the same time. Actually, I would have much rather preferred they kept it, like... Um, if they kept it under the jurisdiction of whatever Russia was right after the fall, yeah, the Federal, like, Russian Federation, like, you know, like, or like just those few years when it was just like really chaotic with the mafia and all that. Because I don't know, just it's but at that point they weren't our enemy. So this is the thing: the Soviet Union was our enemy. Oh, that, that uh, yeah, from that angle, that makes sense, and that, that's why yeah. it had to be the Soviet Union. So what they did is Audible did a, an original, did a drama version of it. Michael Bean's probably in it because he's not. He is. Yeah, he's not. He's, Michael he's Bean and Lam- for work right Well, now. here's the thing: in that script. Uh, what's his name? Hicks survives. Uh, Ripley's in a coma for a lot of it, but um, because they didn't know if they'd be able to get probably couldn't pay Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bishop has so a big convenient. role, so they got Lance Henriksen to redo Bishop. Michael Bean as Hicks. Great voice. And what they did is they updated it to where it was like the new Communist Party, hmm. based on the old Soviet Union. In four hundred years, you can have the new People's Proletariat or something. So they were able to rejigger it and it was like a three and a half hour amazing audio drama of about what could have been with alien hmm. aliens the the sequel and i just thought that was fascinating yeah. that it's this whole new market my phone. i'm still waiting for the audiobook where it's just like <clears throat> we're like eight hours of just heavy breathing and page turning and then at the very end you hear out loud <laughs> that's pretty good i like that i i, I would buy that one mm-hmm Good white noise to sleep to. Yeah, and you know that uh, we have an audiobook guy here, you know, Rick. Yeah, we do audiobooks here at the studio. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do an audiobook and for not too much money, some money, well, yeah. contact we Dick. Have, we have actors and That's right. things in the, on the Rolodex. But, I mean, I, I haven't gotten really into that stuff, so I'm interested in seeing, um, checking out some audiobooks. So I'll check them out. Yeah, and I do like the fact there were a couple of books that I bought that, like, well, for the you know for no extra cost you can have the uh, the Audible version too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So and it actually keeps up with you. So if I'm like reading it and then I go in the car and I listen to it, it'll pick up. Oh, it'll, it'll read where I stopped reading and pick up from from there verbally. So 
wonderful use of technology. I'm, I'm old school in that when audiobooks first came out on tape, I very much sneered at them. It's like, you're too lazy to read, this and that. I now, still do. I, I do to an extent, but it's, it's a whole new market. And if it's reaching more readers and encouraging them to, hey, if, you, if, it, if it heard well, just wait till you read it. If it encourages someone to get another book or to you know sell a book or not ebook, I'm a fan. Here's um, a thing I like. I wanted to get into about reading is because people hold up reading as this like, uh, like on a, on a pedestal of the only way, not the only way, but like you know the main source of of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if you were to bring up a book versus a you know video essay, I feel people would. Uh, the book gets more yeah. credence. Yeah, the, the book is more credible, and yeah, because people who read books are smarter. <laughs> yeah, supposedly, but Duh. at the same time, I'm just starting to think about the the functionality of books in this kind of environment, where with the internet, things can be updated. Even like a Wikipedia page, if some mm. new information well, comes out. Well, I'm convinced out, Wikipedia is just a big lie. Well, I'm, okay, that's I just brought it up as a example, but generally in the internet, anything that is written can be updated or edited or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, so that. It can stay relevant, but with books, you know, I, I you know, you're committed. Yeah. So well, do you, do you think they're going to take Huckleberry Finn and have a little warning at the very beginning? No. But they did it to Gone with the Wind. Yeah, the movie. Well, yeah, it's because like more people are more willing to watch a movie than. Yeah, no, they'll be too busy trying to ban Huckleberry Finn oh. than, than re- rewrite anything. And I, I think Arthur raised a really good good point on that. Same thing with when stage started to translate to screen because stage actors were like, we don't get do-overs. We don't get second takes. You know, you're out there. If you screw up, you know, you got to get out of it. And in movies, blooper reels, yeah. time, you know, or, or live TV to, to tape TV, it was a whole different animal that maybe the craft wasn't taken as seriously or maybe too seriously because now I have 42 weeks to learn this character and I can do the same scene 48 times till I get it right. Mm-hmm. And a stage actor is like, no. Same thing with the book. You know, what I wrote, uh, for, for, like for my novel, when it went out there, there was no changing it. And if I mm-hmm. had something screwed up on it, um, it screwed up for all eternity. Now, you could always have a second printing where you fix something or you update it or you have an author's note saying... Um, Listen, when I wrote this, it was like Stephen King has even done this, like with the stand. When I wrote this, it was this day, so I've added this to make it more contemporary. Hmm. And so, if you can update, if you can put something out there going, well, if I screw up or if I don't like what I wrote or something, I can always change it. That's not fair on the reader for a lot of sense because it's like, no, I, I'm. And this is going to sound really funny. That's why I'm not a fan of what Lucas did updating his Star Wars movies. Having Guido shoot first, have you know all these things, adding more stormtroopers here. It's no, they do that to make more money, dude. But again, it's I don't think there's any artistic in. I don't think there's artistic input. Basically, they're like, hey, we can update these things. It's been forty years. What do you think? Like, yeah, let's do it. I also want to. Yeah, add I'm not this a fan of it. It's, it's like, also like image because I heard pe- like no, nah, they just want to make money. From man. Well, like the the whole Guido thing. Um, Is it Guido? He, I don't. Gr- Guido. Guido. I yeah, just say Guido. Isn't Guido like a bad term? Well, yeah, you tend a Guido to kill somebody. That's why he's called Greedo because it's oh, supposed it's to remind Greedo. It's Greedo, that, but it's supposed to remind you of Greedo. Right? No. Are they all bad terms? Well, you can make any term you want yeah. bad if you want. 
Because well, I've, heard, I've heard Italians call themselves. Yeah, it's a great. Guido is like yeah. a Tony. Okay. You know, I'm well, not culturally right, uh, appropriating. Let's, let's clean that off. Did I spit it? Yes. Wow. We got a hazmat nice. that right now. <laughs> But yeah, the, like I heard the whole whole reason why Georgia went back and changed that was because he had to make Han look like a good guy. Yeah, because that's why. Guy. Yeah. But the whole point is we saw it's like, like yeah, he's a bad dude. He shot the you know doesn't let. Did people really really upset about that? Oh yeah, I was furious. No, I'm talking about prior, like prior to the change, like oh Han shot first. What's wrong with no, that? No, Lucas felt that it made him unfriendly. Now, for me as a as a writer, I mean, as a reader, a, I love when you take someone who's pretty much irredeemable. That's and then so redeem weird. them. That's, that's so, an amazing I mean, he's, he's a character arc. smuggler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's supposed to be character arc. You, if you, you start off bad, you become out good. In a weird bar with weird people. It, yeah, it didn't make sense. He's and, a dude. And like, yeah. we're okay with Obi Wan slicing a dude's arm off because it was self defense. I mean, was it? Yeah, because guy, there's a gun in the hand. I mean, was it? Yes. So what was what was Han doing? Didn't didn't the other guy have a gun in his hand? Not original. Well, yeah, originally he's like, "You're coming with me to go see yeah, Jabba the Hutt." Yeah, shot him. So what's what's the issue here? I'm confused. George Lucas felt that because in the original Star Wars, before he it became Episode first. Four, Han, you know, but he had a gun to him. The bounty hunter, yeah, but but the bounty hunter's like, "Come on with me," and Han shoots him from under the table. So, so what's it, how's that different from Obi Wan slicing a Doom's arm off? Because they both had guns in their hand, and Obi Wan. Shot first. Because Han was being called to task for a crime he committed. And he was not... Greedo's not a cop, but he's basically resisting arrest. And so that makes it okay? Are we mad about that a bounty hunter got murdered? No. Everyone loved when Han just blew the guy away from under the table. Yeah, that was, that, yeah I was wondering who had an issue with that. George Lucas, because uh, he's like, oh no, I can't make guy. Han a bad guy. That makes him a bad guy. So if I add I'm kind Guido of amazed, shooting first... I, I'm kind of amazed that how successful that guy's got. Oh, like his yeah. decisions. Like his decisions are so wacky to me. He's made some some clunkers and stinkers. And, you know, I'm doing a podcast of, of box office bombs, and the first one we're doing is... About Radioland Murders, which is a George I, Lucas I movie that felt, lost 90% of its box office. I, I always felt that episode one, two, and three had too much going on. Yeah, it was, hey, look, I got a green screen and CGI. Let's see what I can do. And here's the thing. Lord of the Rings did the same thing, but more out of necessity. It was, okay, like, we can't build the Mines of Moria, thing, so we're going to CGI them. But Lucas was like, I'm going to have them walk down a hallway. I'll just put it on green screen. It yeah. could have been a hallway anywhere. Well, it's funny. It would, I would like to see more. What I wanted to see more in the old, uh, episode one, two, and three is more Darth Vader. Like, I think you get, like, the last 30 minutes of evil Anakin. I wanted to, I want, like... I think the last... What, what was it? Revenge of the Jedi? What was the third movie Revenge in the, the prequels? <laughs> Revenge I've, of the I've Sith. Seen like, one or two. They crammed in. It's like, yeah. okay, we got to... She's got to give birth. They've got to be twins. He's got to kill off the Jedi. We got to do this. Yeah. We, and they have literally on, 20 minutes left to they go. They showed at least it. him killing a couple kids. You know? Like, when he goes to the children's little playhouse you should have showed a little bit of that wouldn't it be cool to see the kids try to defend themselves yeah that's that the would whole have been point awesome. that would have been a battle to see but, um but <laughs> like, can you imagine the uproar yeah these, these little ants is trying but to the fight whole the prequel it's like get these little buggers it off was me. just it was just ill-conceived because the second i watched the phantom menace and i saw little jake lloyd lord bless his soul playing young darth vader going yippee i liked it's it. like at no point in his life does darth vader ever say yippee why not? It, it, no. 
Why not? No. It's like, does Hannibal Lecter go, well, yippee? Well, Why see, not? I think that's the issue, especially when we're trying to understand somebody who we deem evil. Is like, when does somebody, is it That was is the evil? purpose, but it, it's so jarring. Had I seen that, I would have loved it because it's like, you know, after all, it's a human story. Well, I mean, there are aliens in it, but, you know. But it's human. a pre. No, the thing is, it's a prequel. So things are brought out. I remember when Empire Strikes Back came out and it's like, no, I'm your fa- no, I'm basically, no, Luke, I'm your father. And we mm-hmm. all tripped the heck out. No, I mean, what I would have done is not had Anakin in it at all. It, it'd just be a focus on Obi-Wan. And then the second one really, because the, the big disconnect is you had this young kid, all of a sudden he's a 20-something-year-old with a different actor, and it didn't connect. But so. the same actress playing his, yeah, so his like, love. You, yeah, that I mean, made it creepy. creepy. It's creepy, but that's what I would have done. I would have had him in it. But he wouldn't have been like he would have been a kind of like a carry on to the ship, to their adventure. He's like, oh, we got this kid now. Look at this, he's kind of special. And he, hand in hand with that, because remember the movies were made four, five, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine. Well, we can talk about Star Wars all day. This is four, Star five, six, one, two, three. This isn't a Star Wars show. So, you but what I'm saying is that it. for for Archer, with the prequels now, you're being encouraged start with Episode one. So with Episode one, we get we yeah. know. I mean, I wanted some Darth more Vader stuff. is Luke's father. Yeah. So when Empire Strikes Back, episode five hits and the big reveal happens, you're like, yeah, I, I knew that four movies ago. What's the big deal? So it's just ill-conceived. The whole premise of the prequels uh, was need, I needed him killing more people. Like, he only got a handful of scenes of him being evil. Yeah, because George Lucas didn't want to show him being evil Darth wanted, Vader. I mean, I needed So the implication, evil. there are little kids there, he raises his lightsaber, and then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Because we can't actually show him being bad because we know he's going to get redeemed in Return of the Jedi. Because now when you watch the movies, he's guilty by association because he works for the Empire. That's why he's bad. But, like, if they did another thing... If they show him slaughtering kids, it's like, okay, so you threw Palpatine over uh, a thing. So so what? Are these our guests outside the window? I don't know. I don't uh, know. Yes, it is. Hello. Yes, he's waving. We will unlock the door when we damn well feel like it, sir. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, oh, you gotta be careful. We don't know who's outside all yeah, the time. Yeah, right. So this we is a very. And I've done shows at KPFT, which is actually a radio station that's been blown up twice. What? Not with me in there, but yeah. Oh, yeah. KPFT, Pacifica Radio in Houston. Twice it's been it's bombed. It's because he's really into kids' pageants, and I think that's why. <laughs> Dang. Not... <laughs> you can't look at the I kids' can't pageant. Again. You can't look at... All I gotta say about Star Wars is. The movies could be whatever they were, but the Lego Star Wars games that came out after it were bomb. Yeah. That's, that's all my. That's my only. Exposure. I will. You know what? I will believe you on that because I'm planning on getting some more games. There's there's a that, store near me that sells them like five for yeah, a buck. Yeah, get the complete Lego Star. Wars. Well, that's I'm what's sure so funny like cheap, to me cheap, about yeah. that kind of entertainment is the like my nieces and nephews like Star Wars, but they don't like the movies. Oh yeah, I was. They like they, they like the, everything else outside of the movies. It's the strangest thing. I'm like, oh, do you want to watch Episode Four? And they're like, no, let's watch the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm like, what is the, like, what, what? Why don't you want to watch Star Wars? Like, that is Star Wars. So it's, they don't even kind of regard the movies as. The well, that's what I think. This is the Skywalker saga, and then we have the Clone yeah. saga, and then we have. Yeah. The, oh, they the, did a good job marketing. I mean, they're making billions of dollars off that stuff. Mm-hmm. Can't hate on that. I just wish I saw more evil Darth Vader. Because yeah, but again, Lucas couldn't afford to show you if if you see no, even Anakin if, kill even one four, kid, then he's never forgiven. I want to see more evil stuff. I want, like, Ewoks being their heads chopped off. I mean, like, <laughs> there, there's some stuff you could show. You want to see get Tarantino in it, because, you know, Tarantino's still planning on doing that Star Trek movie. Well, I hope... Well, I mean, that's going to be great, too. And but, it's going to be hard R. But, I mean, like, even in Episode 3, they showed... Like, they alluded that he killed all those kids. 
And I'm like, that's awesome. That's dark. That gives me an idea of how, like, what the bottom pit of his soul mm-hmm. is going to be. But I didn't see anything else. I was like, I want to see more. Like, I want to see him actually portray, like, somebody. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. Because, like, yeah, I think what would have been great is uh, if he chopped off Obi-Wan's arm and we never knew that was a fake arm. So that would have been good. Yeah, what is it with, like, hands getting chopped off I in like these it. movies? I like it. But uh, but yeah. Anything else going on with you? I know we got our guests. We, let's just go. I mean, I'm gonna let them in because they're just hanging outside, aren't? Right? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're whatever. taking photos. Probably they're probably like you know government they're agents. Us out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're casing the joint. <laughs> we have no money here. We don't carry more than twenty bucks on us, like a Seven Eleven. Promise. Those seventy dollar bills 70 are bucks. just for fun. <laughs> don't look at them. <laughs> seventy bucks. Who am I, Rockefeller? Yeah. So we have our guests coming in early here. Um. We're just kind of free-forming right now with stuff. Do we want to... Any any news headlines you want to cover, Dick? Yeah, just keep talking. I'll just okay, I'm going to keep talking. Arthur, what news headlines do you want to talk about? What's uh, happening in the news that you and I can so, discuss? So, right now, all the big tech companies are just going at it. You know, right now, you got Epic Games versus Apple. And what's, recently, uh, what's going on with... I'm, I'm out of this particular loop. So, Apple has uh, basically just a, a monopoly on their... App Store, or mostly on the devices, because it's super hard to download third-party apps that aren't from the App Store itself. Got it. And on top of that... Yeah, where would you... That's a good question. If I wanted something from my phone, but I didn't want to go through the Apple Store, I wouldn't know where to even look. Yeah, no, you're like... And I even know from my friends, like you have to do this whole process where you jailbreak the phone and... Oh, is that where you crack it open and you soldering iron something? Yeah, I don't know. something, Something like that, where you just completely change it. And basically what Fortnite did was they, uh, they basically... It all comes from the uh, the thirty percent cut that Apple takes from all like in app purchases, yeah. and of course, games like Fortnite, whose entire model, like financial model, is based on the in app purchases. You know, it, may, it they don't want to give Guido thirty percent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they, uh, yeah, they they basically were like, okay, you can play, you can pay the Apple fee of nine ninety nine, or you can play the direct Epic Games fee of seven ninety nine. And so Apple and they keep all the seven ninety nine. Yeah, so. yeah, and all the seven ninety nine goes to them. And so of course Apple didn't like that. They banned, they kicked them off the Apple Store. And so now, yes, they uh, should. Well, Epic Games done swung around with a with a cop uh, lawsuit. And so now they're suing. Isn't that right now? It's uh, Epic Games versus. I Apple. think it's hilarious. It's all over children. Well, it is money. a sti- the, the the lawsuit is obviously based on stifling of trade, which is you know if you yeah, it's um the two. The key things were that it harms the consumer by allowing Apple to be so, you know, just. Um, I mean, Apple's always done that stuff, though. Well, so. no, but it's it's been a thing that's been a problem forever now. Yeah. Like even Spotify, for the longest time, has been wanting to do something. Yeah. But hasn't you know had the balls to basically. Well, and it takes the first lawsuit to open the gates or shut them for the next people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it sounds to me what they should have done is they they wouldn't allow any in purchase of the app at all, and you can go to the website. Epic, whatever, Fortnite.com, and that's where you buy your stuff and your account. Because one thing I do know about a Fortnite is your account is wide. Yeah, so you can play it on your phone, you can play on your Xbox, you can play it on, like, you don't have different. I would feel accounts. that a lot of users are like, listen, I just want this on my phone. If I got to go to a website and do this or, you no, know, dial yeah. a phone well, number. See, it's, okay, what I'm well, trying to tell you, Sean, is people don't just play Fortnite on their phone. But here's the thing they that- play on their computer and the Xbox at the same time. So if I'm on, in a subway car, I'm playing on my phone. But when I get home, I'm on my Xbox. Like me and my I'm Audible. I'm sure there are so. people like that. But for the mo- from what I've 
scene, everyone's really like loyal to the one thing. Like if if somebody uses I, that's from mobile what I understand exclusively, how it they, works. they'll use mobile hmm. exclusively. They use PC exclusively. Well, people are typically lazy. The more you got to click to get something, yeah. the less likely you are to. I could be mistaken. About not Fortnite. to mention, it's also. Um, oh, I'm I'm sure it does do that. There are many games that would do that. Well, that's like, how you get around it. If that's yeah. the way it works, from what I understand, just say. But if hey, your model is okay, so buy this here, but then you got to go to this to buy that, yeah. and then the third place for here, I'm gonna go. You know, yeah. I'm the problem is, I feel like the majority play of people. Tetris. We're talking about <laughs> yeah. we're talking about children here. Do you think yeah. they really know where where things come from? They're gonna be like, "Mom, buy this. Mom, buy this." <laughs> and they're gonna be like, "Where do I buy it?" Oh, this website. So, what is thing. Fortnite? The majority of uh, it's, it's a video game battle well, royale type thing where you just like drop into a map and you find guns and you kill and whoever's last person standing wins. It's really weird. Okay, and fun. It's super fun. Like, <laughs> I, I may or may not get ragged on for it, but it, it is very because it's like it's seen as a really the baby game that all the twelve year olds play. Well, yeah, a lot of twelve year olds yeah. play it. And that is true, but I don't care. It's fun. It's like so. Are you Anakin killing the little Jedi kid? Basically, yeah. I go in. I, <laughs> I remember. Sick. We should make that a T-shirt. You're I remember sick. this one one game. Uh, I was playing with one other friend, and we went to do duos, but we actually did squads where it's like four people. Yeah. And so since it was us two, it auto automatically filled in the other with two. Twelve year olds. It, yeah. No, it was like a six-year-old because the yeah. the dude he saw us and no, then my my uh, one yeah. of my best friends four-year-old I think he's four or five places no yeah and it's he's better than young. me I'm like okay yeah cool. oh <laughs> yeah the kids oh my they could clap me any and then we play but, Madden and I crush him but <laughs> yeah but yeah he he saw us and we just realized I just realized like oh we don't we just want to play us two so we both left but as we're leaving there's the loading screen as it takes us out so we're still in the lobby. And the kid had his voice chat on. He was so sad. He was like, no, I don't leave. I can't believe you I would abandon a 12-year-old. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, sucks to suck, kid. Well, I, I hope you can sleep tonight knowing yeah. you just shattered the dreams of a 4-year-old. <laughs> you sick okay. son of a... Well, do you want to take a break and get our, get our guests on? Let's take a Sons breather. I think we're going to have some good history talk going on here. So That's you're listening cue. to us. It is 947 on the dot. We're going to take a break. Dick and Skippy in the mornings coming back with some historical figures. Maybe. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. God's Garage is a 501c3 that repairs and gives away cars for free to single moms, widows, and wives of deployed military. You can help God's Garage by donating a vehicle, volunteering your time, or by monetary donation. God's Garage is located at 2106 East Davis, Conroe. 
If you'd like to learn more about God's Garage, visit our website at godsgarage.org. Or you can contact us, and we would be glad to come and make a presentation to your group. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on the IRLoneStar.com. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org. Because every life matters. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Hey, what is up, Conroe? This is Rick TRC. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 on KZCCLP Conroe, and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome back to Dick and Skippy in the Mornings here on Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com worldwide, Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy slash live for your video needs. Uh, don't forget, we are, again, we're still giving away that book while we were talking about A Dark Good Day in Texas, The Evolution of a Leader by Terry Weaver, local author. Uh, you got about eight minutes to finish your entry. All you got to do is call Texas at 936-228-9368, email us at dickandskippy at gmail.com, or direct message on our social media, and at 10 o'clock, we'll shut down that, and then we'll announce the winner after the show today. Uh, we will mail you the book. So if you are a listener from you know the other, well, you know, the other states, we'll mail it to you, okay? So don't worry about that. So if you're an out-of-town listener, you can still enter, and we'll mail it to you. I guess we should have said that at the very beginning, <laughs> but we didn't. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. I'm going to steal the books. books. It doesn't matter. This is all academic. Win some books. You'll have a good time. I'm stealing them. Uh, they're, they're autographed. Yeah, we're back. Oh, he's, oh, 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 oh,
No, go use the restaurant. I'm giving you a hard time. Okay. Yeah. If, if you're going to go, you should have gone before you left, but since you didn't, it's down there. Just, just You'll find it. It's one of those the doors. smell of urinal cakes. You can't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, we're good. We, we well, get we all like. The, we have ultra- the Sons of History in. It's a YouTube channel. I put all the uh, contact info in the description for people who want to check out their uh, their videos. It primarily focuses on Mer- uh, American history, and then well, with the, with the two hosts, you know, one of them. So we have Dustin. We're, we're going to do this without them. Yeah, this right. Is, we're we're, is... we're going to do this big build up here. So you know, one of the hosts uh, has a strong American history background, but the other host, who's uh, a Lebanese, uh, and so I have to say it more well versed in world history than just American history. Yeah. So he, you know, he'll bring in. Well, one thing I do know for sure about these two, they're they're the ones that. Pay and organize all the statue teardowns. That's where I did some. I did some deep history <laughs> look on the internet about these guys. No, they're, they're not here. They're so one of the places. You're, you're just going to make that uh, up. Uh, I know, I'm just kidding. One of their co-hosts, we're going to be calling uh, on the phone around the 10:30ish mark. So we have uh, Dustin Bass in right now, mm-hmm. but we'll have both on the air with us at 10:30. So if you have questions for these guys, uh, I, I mean, like I have a question: How many statues have you torn down? Uh, that's my question. You, you ask that to your heart's content. <laughs> now, here's the thing about these two guys. I was talking with Mrs. Skippy about this last night. She's on this uh, thing for documentaries mm-hmm. and history lately, and, yeah. and which is wonderful. It's come from, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but this is a newfound interest in her. And, and so it started off like maybe watching The Crown or something like that, but she's getting more and more into that. So when I told her we had a couple of historians on the air today, she was really excited about that. And... I well, myself am because you know we're we're cracking jokes about statues and stuff, but honestly, that's history in the making, right? It there. literally is history in the making, and I think there's some profound well, ramifications I, I, either way in, in a situation so like that. One thing I'm excited about having these guys in is uh, I mentioned earlier in the show my father is a big nonfiction his, historical reader, mm-hmm. so he, he loves re- primarily like the the early 1800s or to late 1800s of the United States like all the way before the, it was the United States and stuff like that. So at one point, do you think when it comes to retelling history, it gets embellished? Because like if you're if I'm reading about John Adams, some guy wrote a book about John Adams, it's just kind of like he's just relaying as much information that he can gather from, you know, the, the mistress's notes and stuff like that. Like, I, I, Well, why he didn't have a mistress. He had his wife's Well, notes. you know what I mean. Like, you're, you're gathering. I made that up. It's, I don't but know. But John Adams was one of the few guys that, you know, stayed uh, well, true. Wrong example. Sorry. Because you got to know your history. Cause, well, I feel like yeah. you're when you're writing these books about these historical figures, you're going to be like, oh, i got to put my, my feet in their shoes and understand where they're coming from when they make these decisions. But you don't know the real truth. I mean, he could have cheated on his wife. You have no idea. I mean, he might have been really good at keeping secrets. There you go. Well, actually, because you're saying when does the glossing begin? Yeah. I actually think the glossing happens. That's the first thing that happens. And then over time, when you peel away the the gloss, that's what you find out underneath. You know, in the day now, Adams was not a popular president by any stretch of the imagination, and but it was the the mythos about him. You know, he and Jefferson died the same day. 50 years later on July 4th. Oh, yeah. You know, and the whole Jefferson lives, you know, so you have this mythos about it. And so I'll, I'll put it in context. Originally, John Adams, all most Americans knew about John Adams was from the musical 1776. And I actually played John Adams. I knew that. him because of Abigail. Well, it, it talks about the love story with John and Abigail. So it's very glossed over. And he says, yeah, I'm obnoxious and disliked. 
and that's it. Then flash forward decades, and you have this HBO miniseries on John Adams with Paul Giamatti playing him, and that's where you get down to the teeth start getting rotten, and he's, you know, he's this total ass, and but this is why, and it's very I raw. I didn't really see that. What Adams being an ass? Yeah, I didn't see that. I, I saw him <laughs> being right. That's what I saw. Uh, you can be an ass and be right. Yeah. You know they're not mutually exclusive. All right, so we got our we got a we have Dustin Bass. Uh, he, ready, he, he's go? all sanitized. Ready he, he's go? ready to rock and roll. If you're not hearing anything, got a volume yeah, you have a little, knob there on the front. A little knob. All right. Is he good, Doctor? Go. Is he yeah. good? All right. Cool. I can hear you. Welcome, Loud Dustin. Hey, welcome me. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> Sons of History uh, YouTube channel primarily. So, uh, YouTube channel, but uh, primarily, uh, really the uh, the podcast. We do a weekly podcast. Oh, so we've been doing that for, I want to say, well, this October will be two years. Okay, and then yeah. you have your handler here. Yeah, so this is Jared Trapp. Uh, so I also own a business here in the Woodlands Conroe area. Yeah. Uh, he and I. Uh, it's called Bass Trap Media. Okay. So we're we're a marketing company. I know you guys. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mean? Yeah. Oh. He well, doesn't know my company. We'll just, we'll, I, you know, I know we'll his company. He doesn't bleep, know mine. We'll bleep so we'll, that out. <laughs> we'll bleep that. The, the bass trap. But at least I got you in a context now. Out. Awesome, awesome work there. But uh, <laughs> but no, uh, you guys are. It's really interesting to see the YouTube channel, and the website, and especially history. Because one thing I love about history buffs is it's never really like the common thing growing up that that's what you want to be into. Right. Because most people go, I'm tired of school. Like right. they kind of like, I don't want to be a mathematician ever again. I don't want to do math. But some special few leave school and go, I'm still going to continue my education in this in some one way or another. I don't really know anyone that still does math for fun. Yeah, no. Uh, but history, I do know some people. There's be some weird people. Yes. <laughs> need to put and, those people down. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need to figure Run out what's down, going on. like a duck. <laughs> but, uh, but history is one of those things I think a lot of people are interested in on the side. They read a lot of mm. books. Mm -hmm. They might watch, especially when they uh, when movies and things come out. They love like Everyone loves a good revolu American Revolution movie, yeah. even though if it's not accurate or not. They don't care. Right. Like We just want to see Mel Gibson chop some heads off. It'd be great. Yeah. But I mean, a Abraham Lincoln, Vampire <laughs> Killer. Are you kidding me? Right, you know. I, okay, so in fact, incredibly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I remember watching. Poor Todd, he didn't have a chance against those I, vampires. What's What's kind of silly <laughs> on that movie? I didn't know it was what it was called, and I walked in late because my I was meeting my friends, and I did not connect that it was supposed <laughs> to be Abraham Lincoln. I was like, "Oh, it's a cool vampire movie." I'm like, "This is cool." And then uh, you got a killer yeah. hat. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, at the very end, it goes American or vampire. I was like, "Oh, it's about that guy." So, Dustin, how did it start? Because, as Dick said, very few kids, you know, hey, Bobby, what do you want to be? I want to be a historian. Doesn't yeah. happen. So how did this happen for you? So Alan Joachim, who is the other Sons of History, mm -hmm. um, so he and I met in, in a really roundabout way. Um, and it sort of, I guess, uh, to use George Washington, divine providence, if you will, so with a firm reliance on divine providence and went into the uh, Declaration of Independence. So I'm glad I have him here. Yeah, God bless him. <laughs> so <laughs> Reverend I actually, Witherspoon insisted to go in there. I'm sorry, continue. I'll I actually, so an old friend of mine, so I, I had done some acting um, prior, right? right. So uh, an old friend of mine told me, hey, there's this opening for this, you know, little TV show um, out, you know, it's a Canadian TV show, but they have an opening if you want to jump in. I was like, yeah. So I got there, hung out with the people, and they're like, you need to be doing this, like, continually. And so they're like, use us as a reference. And so I went to the agency. And so when I got through with my interview, 
uh, I was telling the lady who was interviewing me about a book that I had just finished on the Korean War, and she was like, you need to meet my husband. And her husband ended up being Alan Joaquin. And she's like, he is a huge history buff. Like, he's always getting books in. So eventually, he and I met up for drinks. We had a quick talk. And then that was about it. And then a few months later, he and I met up for breakfast. And we're like, what are we going to do? Because we see the issues at hand. And I think they're very prevalent right now where you have people running throughout the streets saying things that don't make any sense, especially historically. Um, And you have just a lot of people with nonsensical ideas or ideas based in really dangerous ideologies. Um, And so he and I was we were just saying, let's just do it. Let's. Let's do a show. We started off with the YouTube series, mm-hmm. uh, which started off, okay, let's do a breakdown of the American Revolution. We can make it somewhat humorous as we dress up as these historical figures, you know, him being John Adams and Joseph Reed and me being George Washington and then Thomas Jefferson. And we, we ended and up— And Thomas Paine. And Thomas Paine, yeah. Um, you know, scene one, uh, episode Thomas one, Thomas Paine and Thomas Jefferson— and we broke it down really well, but it got to the point where it was just us two. So it was like, this is really difficult to try to do and have full-time jobs. So we wanted to continue to create content, which is why we started the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had started um, the podcast in October, I think, of 2018. And it's just something that we do every week because there's always... There's always something to talk about. I know that you guys understand Wonderful. That. I'm a recent convert to a podcast. Maybe a year or two ago, I mm-hmm. stumbled across... Uh, it was the West Wing Weekly, actually. Uh, I just enjoyed it. Then it's like, from this, I found audio dramas and, and more podcasts and film recaps. And, and so I, I'm eating them up a lot. And this is one I definitely want to catch up on. Thankfully, it's only two years old, so I'm not... Yeah. Because a lot of these podcasts, like uh, Top 5 has been going for like 15 years. I'm up to 2009, I think, on... Yeah their podcast so uh give us a so in a typical episode of the podcast you pick a topic mm-hmm. a point in history an event a person or something and then how does the deconstruction happen so what we do is um luckily alan and i have a real good um i guess sense of history uh especially alan alan as i was talking to you before the show started like you can go back pretty much as far as you want into ancient greece ancient rome um, and, and talk to him. Me, not, not so much. You can go back to about um, colonial era in America. Um, but what we do is we take a topic, and whatever that topic is, and we break it down from a historical perspective. Um, and so that can be, you know, we did one on religious persecution the other day because there seems to be this ongoing religious persecution here in the United States. And a lot of people are like, well, this is America. That can't happen. I'm like, well, it <laughs> actually is, what, what it is, is happening. I went, what is going on? So obviously we have um, the states vary. You know, okay. you know mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom is probably the worst one, him and uh, Cuomo. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, so you're talking about not letting people go to church. Right, not okay. letting people go to church. Like, but, at the, but at the same time, you have a lot of these groups. There, there have been a ton of churches being set on fire. Um, you've had parishioners that are at church being dragged out of church and beaten. Um, you've had priests being attacked. Uh, and this is a complete reversion back to the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Now, you saw a lot of this, and a lot of people were like, well, that was you know, 1936 to 1939. But really, the, the, the real chaos started in 1931 
where you have these elections after Alfonso more or less leaves. He doesn't abdicate the throne, but he leaves. And you have these elections, these biennial elections, and every winner takes from the loser in the worst way. Mm -hmm. And so you see these, these actions being taken that go right back into Spain, go right back into China, go right back into Russia. Uh, and you have all of these instances, and you can put it right into the French Revolution. So there are all these things when people say history repeats itself, like it does, mm -hmm. whether you want it to or not. It does. And I think it does even more so when we do such an inefficient job in our public education systems of teaching history. U.S. history is the single worst subject known by students that are coming out of high school. 12 percent. Mm -hmm. 12 percent are proficient in U.S. history, which 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 you understand now. Like why so many students come out and they don't think America is that great. Or they're toppling a statue of an abolitionist, not even knowing who exactly. Frederick Douglass or they, was. Yeah. They they topple yeah, toppled, you know, him, they topple the fifty you know, they start desecrating the fifty fourth regiment. And like, this was the regiment of black soldiers who fought in the Civil War. Like mm -hmm. put and that's that's the mindset that we're that we're in right now with with a lot of young people and it's very interesting that much like china um much like you know in spain it's like you call them student revolutions for a reason because they're students because they're young and they're impressionable and they don't know what they need to know in order to sort of curb that push a lot of it uh, is, and I know Arthur's got has his hand raised to pipe in. So let me oh, do this soft no, first, and then then I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Well, just so you know, he's eighteen. Okay. So and, and, uh, heading off, that's, to, like, that's me. Heading off to unex unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> heading you. off to university literally tonight. He's flying yeah. out <laughs> to Indiana tonight. Uh, awesome. A lot of it, I, I think, is perspective. You ask your typical American kid, maybe you know, if they even know about World War II, when did it start? They'll say nineteen forty-one. Mm -hmm. that's, but I grew up in England. Like 1936? Oh, 39. What happened in 1936? Nobody, uh, Is that when Hitler took power? 36, no, even earlier. I think it was 33. Okay. Well, They've been around. It World happened, War II technically well, started 1917 as a you know, well, yeah, continuation of bring you back to one. one. Yeah. But, you know, it's the perspective. In American history, we entered, U.S. entered in 41, so a lot of kids would be shocked. You know that two years before that, things are going down. Right. In England, which is funny... I had that perspective. Uh, I, I lived in Japan before that, so I had the oh, perspective of, you know, <laughs> World War II from that. But in England, like, the first class I ever failed was uh, 18th century history in England because you just haven't lived till you've heard their perspective on the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. And it was obviously way different from what I'd grown on. I said, you of guys course. are full of it. I got hit, threatened to do they, do they keep the receipts? Of? Are they have a bunch of IOUs from us. <laughs> they still well, think we owe money or something. Is that I would come on? across the rare veteran who would say, "Thank you. Without you, we'd all be speaking German, and that right. was pleasant to have." But I mean, I got into a fist fight literally over who fired the shot heard around the world. Oh yeah, you know but what would it matter? It, it, it does happen, right? It, uh, so, someone shot and, I mean, and basically kickstarted the revolution with a single bang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And but I got in a fight over it. Turned out to be my best friend later on. But you know, you got the the national pride and the. the the particular um, perspective mm -hmm. of what's being taught. But also, history isn't really applied to your everyday life. 
But it, but it should. It, I know what I'm saying. Like I can see that's the perspective of the young students going through. It's like well, speaking of perspective of young students, I want to turn it over to Archer here. Yeah, I feel like y'all are underestimating. Cause, well, yeah. firstly, the like I've never been taught that. Well, we the, believe you're an idiot. So yeah, that's it. That's very important to. to <laughs> I'm just 18, man. So, I'm just yeah, it's it, understandable. Dude. I mean, that, that, like that's always the uh, like I'm literally trapped in a corner here. <laughs> you literally, not, I say that. Yeah, because well, that's always feel. Arthur, yeah. I will tell you, I don't, I don't agree with what they said. Oh shucks, but like for me, it's it's mostly about the, uh, just like underestimating. Uh, for example, like I've never once ever seen anybody say that it started in forty one. It's always been thirty nine. That's been the standard, and um, like, because another thing is when it comes to the U.S. history courses, I took the uh, I, I took the AP one, and that one's really standard across like you know, the entire United States. And it was interesting when he, when he said that, that people who take these uh, courses stopped by public schools come out of it hating the United States. And for me, taking it, I felt like I was sitting in a propaganda class where it was like all the great things that they've done, but no mention of like the banana republics, no mention of, of the invasion by the U.S. during like when the Cold War and, you know, invading Guatemala and all, like all those different countries. That was never mentioned, just... You know, a lot of a lot of important things were just n- never mentioned, and that that's like I, I felt really like betrayed that I had to find out about these events on a YouTube video by Salmonella. Archer, a serious question. Um, I, I feel that with any curriculum, you know, you have a certain number of hours, literally, mm-hmm. to to put something in. Is it better? And I'm this is not a, a loaded question. I I want to know. Do you feel it's better to have touch on a bit of everything or go in depth on fewer topics that you you get more of a historical perspective well, or good or bad i'm not saying yeah you see where i'm going with that yeah yeah is, is there a one over the other or well for me it's just about what exactly is being taught because if it's something like world history that first one you said about the few specific moments that's because it's all about going from macro to micro mm-hmm. right World history, it's huge. The world, right? Everything has happened. So you can't be touching on everything. But something like U.S. history, where it's very personal to us and, you know, we, we, we live here. I think that should be more of the really touching on everything instead of, you know, because all I remember is um, there was a revolution, there was a civil war, and we are the best nation ever. That's all. That's the whole true story vibe yeah. I got from them. That's, that's pretty true, much. That's that pretty, pretty much, much sums it. it up. You know, it's it's interesting, Arthur, that because you mentioned that, and it's very true. Because I've I've come across so many people where you see comments, um, and people say, "Why wasn't I taught this in high school?" You know, and then again, it's like, "Well, that's just high school." So some of the, there's so much that has happened that that you have to sort of take the time to learn on your own, um, which is going back to what you said at the beginning. It's like. People want to invest their time in history, not math. You know, they're not going and doing, you know, more mathematical equations. Yeah. They're going and, and researching uh, and about, about yeah. the CIA and different things like that. And you're like, oh, well, okay, here's the dark side of American history, right? Um, and that's the rabbit hole because if you look at, you know, 80s CIA, you can go back to Vietnam and then Korea mm-hmm. where it started off as, hey, we're just some CIA guys making sure, you know, everything's cool. Yeah. And it's when you start back engineering. Yeah. And, and you start looking at um, the mistakes that were made in, in American history, like giving power, way too much power to certain agencies that are not elected, you know, which goes against the founding. You know, these and that's another thing is 
we've gotten to the point where we focus so much on, okay, when did it happen and what happened instead of why? Why did it happen? Why did we declare our independence? Why did we go into a civil war? Why did World War II start and why did it have something to do with World War I? What was the correlation there? We don't talk about that. We talk about, well, here's the date and here's what happened. Hitler was bad. Stalin was good because he was an ally. And you're like, no, Stalin was, you know, sort of the preeminence of evil. So uh, we, we do a disservice by not going into the details of why. Well, and I think that's, that plays a big role. Well, I must say I've never heard Stalin be painted in a positive light in school by any teacher ever. Mm-hmm. It's always been known that he's not a good person. Yeah, um, but when you, when you talk about, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a reference. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Stalin and Hitler, right? If I ask, if I ask any kid, and I, so I, I deal a lot with young life, so it's a lot of students. Mm-hmm. Um, and if ever I ask them, okay, worst person in history, Hitler is always the answer, right? There is no Stalin, there is no Mao, right? Mm-hmm. Who killed? They they both killed far more people. By and large, it's not even almost comparable to an extent, right? Um, but those two are never brought up. We know a ton about the Holocaust, as we should, but kids don't know anything about the Gulag. Mm. Well, I think that, and I think that that there's a pattern with those kind of things because the impact it has on the world really is what resonates long term. So I feel like we don't know, like I know zero about the history of Africa, zero. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's taught in schools, if that's part of world history, because I imagine there's a deep history there, but I know zero about it. I know a little bit about South Africa, Mm -hmm. but that's more recent stuff, not like 400 years ago, 600 years ago. But then also here in Texas, we have our Texas history, which I think has more of an impact on the individual student than, say, world or U.S., because we can actually visit the Alamo within, you know, a day's drive. Mm -hmm. Like imagine living next door to Gettysburg. Yeah. I mean, living up there, I bet that history, U.S. history classes are awesome. Yeah. Because you get to go visit the places. So I know that's what impacted me was visiting the Alamo and understanding the Texas history and about dealing with Mexico and things like that. Mm-hmm. But U- uh, world or U.S. history, luckily for me, my father loved that stuff. So we drive in the RV and go visit those places every year. Yeah. And that was part of that was our vacation. And but other world stuff, I don't I can see why we talk about the Holocaust, because that impacted a, a a large amount of people right but then when you talk about the rwanda genocide i learned it because john cheadle was in a movie right but no one talks yeah. about it. like re- no one knew the killing fields till mm-hmm. sam watterson did a movie but even right. outside of that like is that being taught i have no yeah. idea like i learned about it well listener brett says history is a million times more complex than anything you can learn in a classroom and that's kind of what i was getting with is where how deep do you dive is yeah, because you can't. So, I saw that that comment, and for me, it's like, yeah, no, duh, it's complex. But my my argument was that it shouldn't just be the pure good, because that's not what this country is. No, well, I mean, look, if you don't look at the if you don't look at the bad stuff, then you're most definitely going to repeat it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to look at the bad stuff, and you also have to look at the whys of the bad stuff, mm-hmm. like the. You hear a lot of promises, especially from politicians, and this goes right into what we're talking about. 
and it's always intent over outcome. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and it's going to be great. And like, no, it is not, because we already have all of this to show that whenever you make these promises, the human nature comes into play so often because you're dealing with human beings, Mm -hmm. and they never bring that into consideration. It's always a promise, and it's always about re-election. And it's like, so you make these promises that sound good, but in fact, they're quite sinister. Agreed. Um, I've frequently been finding myself on some conversations when it comes to stuff like statues, because I have my, my personal take on statues. They're either memorials or they're art. And once you start tearing down art because you're offended by it, what's, you know, what art goes next? And people say, well, there's no, you know, there's no statues in Auschwitz. So, you know, people always want to go to that. And people are shocked to find out about the topography of terror, which is in Berlin. It's a huge facility where they put all the bad signs and and propaganda and statues and everything and then they force the kids to take field trips they're saying this Perfect. is yeah and that's exactly you don't throw it in the bottom of a harbor no. willy-nilly and that's where so i'm seeing that I, I feel two things one very few nothing good happens after 2 a.m and two knee-jerk reactions are always bad right yeah and there's you have you know crack me up the mayor of columbus tore down the columbus town square statue of columbus yeah and it's like when you were running two years ago for the mayor of Columbus, you weren't so uptight about the name. Why don't they change the name of the place? He speaks town flavor town. I, I asked people. Um, I said someone was telling what me, it well, take? it's the name, and they said they named name it Glenville after John Glenn. I said John Glenn of the Keating Five. It's if you dig on anyone, yeah, deep enough, you're gonna find something that's cancelable by your standards. Right. Well, especially when we're talking about the education of history, I think when people. When, when we were presented in education of history, I always felt the in more in-depth study is when you go to a college because you could choose certain subjects that go into certain things. Because, mm-hmm. well, you know, going through uh, public school and then private school, because I went to both, to me it was like we were restricted with time and then especially what content has the most substance to it mm-hmm. because that's what they wanted. Like they're not going to do a whole year based off of one battle. Yeah. But if you go to college, you might do one battle for a whole semester or something. If, like that. if I can, especially in England, because it's you don't major in something, you read it, which means when you go for advanced studies in university in England, that's the one topic you learn. You learn all about it and, and, and accompanying subjects. But if you if you go to Cambridge to learn history, that's all. You, there's no math prerequisite. Well, I think that's, a, and that's also nice about that. the internet because we have like the sons of history and things like you do. Mm-hmm. You get to kind of go in depth and you do your own search okay. for answers, and understanding. Because I know where Art, Arthur's coming from because you you can only talk about the war so much in a classroom, mm-hmm. but then when you talk about the negative stuff, like I remember there was some negative stuff like the Japanese internment camps here in the United States. I remember yeah. we learned a lot about that, and then we and we also learned about the brutality of war. Yeah. from the Texas Revolution and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because it was bad from both sides. Like, I mean, it, it is war. You're going to war and right. things, and especially in the Civil War, we learned that the North did things to yeah. the South, and the South did things to the North. And I I never felt I never felt like it was propaganda, say, Arthur, but I also know that they're not going to have a class focus on us killing people because... Like that's just they would. That's not, but that's not the class I want. I yeah. want the class of both. Well, I think yeah, and I think it depends on the teacher too. And I think uh, with like Sons of History resources available, if you're interested in it, look it up and don't trust Wikipedia at all. 
Because mm, I yeah. would never trust that website ever again. Here's yeah. but no, you don't trust you don't yeah, trust you don't. the article. You trust the sources. Yeah, that's a good just, point. When when I get a news story, unlike those who like to accuse me of just following well, well, Fox let's, News, let's, I'll go for two wait, or three we're different. Call, we're going to call Alan here in nine minutes. So awesome, I'll, but we'll, yeah, you're absolutely right, Arthur. You, you you check the sources. I I love you know you know I I'll my sources are Reuters, AP, Fox News, and I wouldn't trust CNN. Them. Wouldn't you trust them? And and from them, I can make educated decisions. Trust yeah. the sons of history. It sounds like <laughs> that's well, that, that, that's, that's the only source you should be going to. So does <laughs> right. so let's like, get that straight. It sounds like this. May have started off. Thank you for that. <laughs> it sounds like uh, uh, sounds like Sons of History start off almost like entertainment, but it's becoming almost a public service. It I feel. it really has. Um, and so the thing is, we ha- we have some pretty hard conversations, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes we have some hard conversations. Like last night, I had a, a guest on the show. Like I do a Thursday night Instagram live show every Thursday night, and then I had a guy by the name of John W. McCaskill. He's out in D.C. Um, and he has been working for um, the National Park Service. And, you know, we didn't talk about that last night, but we were talking about the statues situation. And that's a conversation that a lot of people are n- not really willing to have, especially like in an open forum, um, and saying like, okay, what should be done with the statues? Because um, a lot of times we just want to leave it at, oh, let's just tweet about it, you know, and then, you know, okay, you know, not comment back. So... Yeah, it is sort of a public service that we're trying to do. It's just like these are conversations that have to happen that are not happening. Um, I've, I've had people on Instagram show. We've, we've talked about, like I said, you know, spanning back to French Revolution. Uh, we've had guests on the show like Alex Kershaw, who's a New York Times bestselling author, mm-hmm. uh, who who's specializes in World War II. We've had Dr. Stephen Harden, speaking of the Texas Revolution. Wow. We've had him on uh, several times. He loves being on the show because it's like a two-hour conversation that we have to split. We've had to split both of our conversations into two episodes because it's so in-depth, right? And this is information, though, that people need to know, right? Um and it's and it's right up author's alley, like what he is saying is well, it sounds like it needs to be nightly homework. Right. It it is completely true. It's like if you America is the greatest country ever, but it it does not mean that it is absent of, and yeah, it is absent of its wickedness. You know? Like we have to understand that we have done a lot of terrible things, but by and large, we've done so many great things. Um, the founding, I encourage your listeners and, and, and whoever else, um, author and, and, and Dick and Skippy, like if you, if you haven't, mm-hmm. and you were saying, go to the source, right? And so we, we have a good friend of the show. He's out in Arizona, Joe Wolverton, brilliant man. And he says, don't drink downstream. Always go directly to the source. Always go to the directly, directly to the source. And when you read the founding documents, when you read these people talking, not somebody, you know, on the Federalist or, you know, on, you know, whatever website that you come across and they're going to give you their commentation on it. Mm-hmm. No, when you go directly to the source, it is a beautiful moment in time when you are reading exactly what they, you know, I'm going through um, James Madison's uh, notes on the Constitutional Convention mm-hmm. and just going and reading what they were saying and debating you know, how do we put this country together? How do we put this constitution together? And it's just, 
breathtaking and a humbling experience to read that these brilliant men had some bad ideas, but they also had some brilliant ideas. And the one who may have had a bad idea on one topic had the brilliant idea for the other one. And so it is a humbling experience when you go through and read, man, these guys were talking about things that no one else was talking about. The whole idea of our democratic republic, an extended republic, no one had mentioned anything. All men are created equal. Like, even you reference World War I, even during the Paris Peace Conference, people were coming from these countries and saying, that doesn't make any sense. It still does not make sense that all men are created equal. They could not wrap their head around that idea. And so that's how groundbreaking 1776 was. It was like, you put this document together and... It's like people's minds were blown. And I encourage people to read the, the rough draft of the Declaration of Independence that Jefferson put together. Mm. Read that and then read. And After will, it got committed. Exactly. And then you will understand the, the price of compromise as well. And even if it starts off something like, you know, the musical 1776, it's drama, it's music, it's wealth. But it lets you know the compromises that had to be made. People realizing this had to be unanimous vote. Correct. And how do you get, you know, and, you know, being told this has never happened before. No country's ever, ever broken free from the mother, or, or no colony's ever broken free from the mother country. Mm-hmm. And then they have it. It's like, okay, we signed. Oh, shoot, now what? You know, what's next? What kind of, you know, and they're, and they're having conversations about, are these states you're proposing, are they going to be our own sovereign territories? Yeah. You know, they had to make it up as they went along. And the reason why I feel I feel strongly about America's greatness, uh, Arthur, uh, it's I feel we've done in 200 years what most nations haven't been able to do in 2000. Mm-hmm. And there's me mm-hmm. on the outside looking in for much of my youth that, of course, there are growing pains. And like I said, Knee-jerk reactions very rarely do good things happen, and this whole nation has had a lot of growing pains as a result of that. We, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel that as the one remaining superpower that provides decent foreign aid, it's our job to do it. You know, we have to. If you're the big kid on the block, there's an there's a responsibility to help the little kids, and no one gives foreign aid like we do. Right. No one opens. Their borders, like we do, mm-hmm. and gives the opportunities. Uh, that's my personal take on it. And we we need to up we need to up up our uh, protesting now. <laughs> like they seem a little pansies. Mm-hmm. Well, I we want, can blow uh, up this well, radio station. Be the second one. What, yeah. what, what, what do the French people do? They, yeah, I mean, BFD. they go at oh, it. the guillotine. the the humane way to kill somebody. Exactly. We got to protest the greatest. Right. That's right. My like. I guess for rebuttal to that is mm-hmm. I feel like for anybody listening and that hears my opinions, they think that I hate America. And well, you I have think, a tattooed on you, dude. Yeah, yeah. basically. On your forehead. On your That's forehead. Weird. It is clear. Like, but there's a reason I'm here. Like, I feel, yeah, totally, I feel yeah. if like I criticize it a lot because I love it. Yeah. You know? I, oh, absolutely. I yeah. Keep it in check, man. Yeah. yeah. I, like if you're a, if you're somebody <laughs> who loves America, but never says anything bad about it, you're not a true patriot. You, you don't, you're not, actually looking for what it is there's a chance you're indoctrinated indoctrinated to what in, indoctrinated uh, uh, if you it, only see the yeah, good exactly. you can only talk about the good yeah, yeah exactly yeah and absolutely so, agree with you for me it's just like i'll always bring up the crap that i see that goes on because can we say crap on the radio we've already said ass. okay yeah, you were <laughs> yeah, said I was much gonna worse. say where do you think crap comes <laughs> <'Cause> from <there's> donkeys <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's 
named after Thomas Crapper, the inventor of the modern, course, modern flush toilet. There you go. But yeah, it's just, I, I love this country. There's a reason why I'm here. Well, you better and donate I, blood and prove it, dude. I do. I have a shirt like yeah. that, that I donate blood. Donate. Yeah, I have the shirt. Yeah, and see, they won't let me <laughs> donate blood because I lived in England after 1980, so that's un-American. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember reading I feel like you could actually Cow. fight that. Yeesh. Yeah. I feel like you could I'm banned that. for life because of Mad yeah. Cow. Really? Yep. Dang. What they liked what, my... What an unfair world. I know, right? They loved me <laughs> back Awful. during well, we the Gulf t- War. we got to take a break. Neil Ferguson yeah, we got to take a break. Again. Right, because it's get Alan on. 1029 on the dot. And We're going to get I, Alan on. I do want to say, uh, at the very beginning of our conversation, Dustin, I feel like Alan's wife, it was a ploy. Because she wanted him to get out of the house. That is probably get a hobby. We, get a hobby. Start a podcast. Oddly yeah, enough, we here. did the the show, the YouTube show in the house in his house, and we also do the podcast primarily at his house. So it uh, didn't work out. Uh, yeah, his wife is <laughs> the ploy did right not now. work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're gonna be right back here on Dick and Skippy with the Sons of History. Take us out, Artie, and uh, we'll be back very shortly with Alan. What's his last name? Joaquin. 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 Joaquin, I'm sorry. Like Joaquin, like Joaquin, Joaquin Like Joachim? <laughs> Is it? All right, we'll be right back. Dick and Skippy. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast. Create your first YouTube channel and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule.
with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Statistics show that one out of every six Texans struggles with food insecurity and hunger. And many people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables every day. The Better Living for Texans program is here to help you learn how to make healthy menu choices, save money at the grocery store, prepare quick and delicious meals, get more good nutrition in your day, and get more physical activity. Classes are fun, friendly, interactive, and free, and taught in English and Spanish. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Dell Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit, began in 2014 with a mission to strengthen the future of veterans through leadership and entrepreneurship training. We've invested over 1,400 hours of training in our veterans while connecting them with community entrepreneurs and leaders. Our mission is to continue investing in our veterans who have given so much for our country. Please join us in our mission by visiting vellinstitute.org. That's vellinstitute.org. All right, we are back with Dick and Skippy in the mornings here on Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting from the LSAR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Watch us live right there or listen on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Hanging out with the Sons of History. Uh, we are Now we have the co-host, Alan y- Joachim. 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 Like Joachim. Alan. Alan. Is it Alan? Like Joachim. Yes, like Joaquim Olajuwon. That's what I thought. Yes, awesome. Okay, we got Alan on the phone with us, along with Dustin Bass. Thank you for keeping that name simple for me. I'm, You're welcome. And, uh, of my course, God. my co-host. One thing I, I, I want to ask both of y'all is, in reality, y'all got inspired because the History Channel is garbage now. And you guys want to have your own History Channel. Well, I feel like that's... You can tell me the truth, guys. Take it away, Alan. <laughs> Well, that's 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 one of the things that I feel that the History Channel has turned to crap. When when they do have a history, a real history program on there, they are so inaccurate. They don't really pay attention to the details. I will see things on there that just drive me absolutely nuts. And some of the times they will have programs that are catered to the Howard Zinn fans. So. Yeah, uh, some, something needs to be done about the so-called History Channel. Alan, can you do that? Because uh, Dustin off the air was talking about Howard Zim, too. Can you, for the, the, the lay person out there, explain who this was? Who Howard Zinn is? Mm-hmm. Howard Zinn is a, he's someone who has a chip on his shoulder regarding the United States. He obviously has Marxist uh, philosophy, and when he 
tells a story, he doesn't quite tell the entire story. He leaves out so many details that it creates a false narrative. And all of his history um, pretty much are going to be, um, I'm not going to say every single one, but, but a majority of them are going to be false narratives simply because he's leaving out so much that can explain things. For instance, um, you know, one of the things that I like to describe is when the U.S., Britain, Canada, and other allied nations invaded France on D-Day in 1944, uh, if you don't bother telling people what happened in the previous five, six years, you're going to automatically assume that the, that the U.S. and allied countries are are uh, violating France's uh, sovereignty and killing innocent French and uh, German soldiers and civilians. So you, you have to provide details. You have to provide the background so people can understand what is really going on. Uh, Alan, earlier we talked about, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, when teaching history, and there's obviously more history than classroom time allows, what's the lesser of the, I don't want to say lesser of the evils, but what's the path of least resistance to touch on a little bit of almost everything or to deep dive onto fewer topics? Well, that's going to depend on the interest of the students. If they are, you know, give you an example. Most students are going to want to read about maybe wars uh, more than, say, the New Deal uh, that uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, passed. Um, So if you're going to talk about, let's say, the New Deal, something that's quite boring, I would say that you can give people kind of a quick summary of, of what took place, why it took place, and and have the students go <clears throat> and look at some resources. But if you're going to talk about, let's say, World War II and some of the battles that, uh, and some of the diplomacy that took place prior to the wars and some of the battles, then you can go into a little bit more detail. And in all, in both cases, I would still advise giving people resources um, that they can. They can dive further into, um, you know, for instance, when, when I do my Tuesday night history or Dustin does his Thursday night live chats, both of us, we will recommend books or movies that um, in some cases, just, you know, that, that will give you a little bit more detail as to what we had just discussed. So it, it really depends on the subject. You have to be careful because history can be boring and history can be dramatic and exciting. So that's. That is where you have to uh, figure out which way to go. Well, one thing I, I want to ask both of y'all, uh, since y'all's podcast show, uh, website and everything focuses on the history, would you say that the philosophy of retelling history is always about the winners? And that's kind of the issue we run into in today's kind of like the old dev- phrase: like, "History is written by the winners." So, right. like, because when you when you made that example about not not knowing the precursor to 1944, the invasion of Normandy and stuff, I was thinking, you know, you could have said the same thing if, say, we lost the war, and they could have easily said, "Yeah, remember when we got invaded by these evil people?" And do you think that kind of like goes in, especially with younger development or younger education, it like because I didn't really develop. I wouldn't say empathy, but the uh, like the background of German soldiers till after I left school and started reading more about like what was it like actually being a German over in Germany during you know 1944, especially if you're a young German where you're being basically forced into the army at like 16 to defend Berlin. Yeah. 
I was thinking, you know, like, what was it really like? Like, who are the enemies like, in a sense? Uh, do you think that's kind of what's going on when people are developing their own opinion of history? And, like, when we go to lower develop or low, lower education, that's not really presented. I don't think it's really presented too much when you're talking about the other side. It's just more of like, yeah, we won. That's what the most important thing is to learn from this. And Dustin, do you want to take this, or do you want me to uh, mention? Well, man, hey, I've been talking for like thirty minutes, so you know, let's get okay. let's get you in, and I'll I'll chime in later. Okay. Um, typically, yes, the, the the victor is the one that provides the history, but it, but in not every every case. Uh, I'll give you an example: uh, the ongoing Arab-Israeli wars. Um, clearly, the Israelis have pretty much had the upper hand in just about every single war. But they are not necessarily being shown as the victors or that they're shown as the good guys. Um, a lot of it is also going to depend on who is teaching the history. You know, we have uh, history professors, we have uh, history teachers, we have entertainers, um, you know, people on TV, reporters who are providing a narrative based on how they view things. Uh, for instance, the, the you know the uh, the wars with the uh, Plains Indians during you know uh, prior to the 20th century, we clearly won, but we you know the United States is now viewed as the aggressor, as the oppressor, as the um, you know as having committed genocide. Um, so it, it, it's going to depend on on who is doing the actual teaching. So. You know, um, and one of the things that I, I'm finding very, you know, or I, I'm hearing quite a bit is genocide, that, that uh, the colonialists, that the, that the, you know, the white Europeans uh, um, committed genocide on purpose against the Native Americans. And I've had to tell people, I've had to correct them that that simply was not the case, that if... You know, if, if you're going to look at the percentages of people who died from, say, smallpox or, or typhus uh, or anything else that the Europeans brought with them, you know, you have to tell them that uh, on most, if not, if not all occasions, it, it was not done purposely. It was done simply because of exposure. It wasn't by now, a warfare. No, no. And there, there was a case where Jeff Amherst, during the, during, after the French-Indian War ended and Pontiac Rebellion began, Jeff Amherst, who captured North America from the French, thought up the idea when he saw how brutal um, Pontiac's rebellion was against the, the British and the American populations. He suggested the idea of using some sort of biological warfare, and, and in this case, using uh, blankets uh, that have smallpox on them. Um, but it, it, it was never um, it, it was never executed. Now there was an incident, say at, at Pittsburgh, modern day Pittsburgh, where where something like that happened. But it was just an idea because you know the the, the Native American tribes who had surrounded what was then Fort Pitt. Were, were using some pretty brutal tactics. I mean, they they were not, they didn't even, if the Geneva, Geneva Convention had been brought to their attention, they would not have even uh, uh, practiced it. They would have uh, completely ignored it. But but the people that were stuck at Fort Pitt were, were getting kind of desperate, and they thought of maybe, you know, we'll have some sort of drastic action here. But, but there's no evidence to suggest that it actually worked. 
I visited Fort Pitt, and, and there was that discussion that it was thought up, somebody tried it, but again, there's no evidence that it actually happened. But when you listen to a history professor or you listen to uh, people in entertainment or news or whatnot, they're going to tell you that we committed acts of genocide. Uh, I heard that the pilgrims brought smallpox and wiped out all the Indian tribes along the Northeast. And, and I was just amazed at the stupidity at, at what I heard, and I had to correct some people and tell them wrong that the that the plague, that whatever it was that wiped out the Indians in North America happened just prior to the pilgrims getting there. So when the pilgrims did arrive, they found the land completely empty. So, so they're, they're presenting a story where, yes, there was some exposure, most likely from European fishermen, that that exposed some of the natives to, um, they think it might have been typhus, they think it might have been smallpox. They don't know. There's no evidence to show what it was. But regardless, it wiped out about 90 to 95% of the Native American tribes uh, along the coast in, in New England. But it was not purposely done. It happened accidentally. So this is some of the stuff that, uh, that you know, Dustin and I are having to face when, when talking to people who now suddenly hate the United States of America, who think that its foundation is based on genocide, racism, and it's because, um, you know, people who have been raised by the protections provided to us from, from American soldiers and sailors and airmen and from the wealth that their parents acquired because of our freedom and our, and our uh, free market system, these children who are now adults are somehow upset at their country. They're, they're now ashamed of their color or they're ashamed of being an American. They're now teaching, you know, the last few generations how evil and how rotten the United States is. I want to postulate, some, uh, were you going to say something to us? I was just going to say we have to fight down the demons. So <laughs> I, I want to like kind of pull the, the, the dirty punch here for something that is so, when you start to try to unravel it, it's so difficult to. And uh, believe it or not, I, I watched a show lately, recently, it was called Hunters, set in the 70s about a group of Nazi hunters. And it went into detail about Operation Paperclip. Hmm. And, you know, at that point, I, I, I started to go down that rabbit hole. I love yeah. philosophy. Mm -hmm. I love asking the, the, the no-win scenario questions. But I, I had to stop going, this is outside my, my pay grade, mm -hmm. that I can't justify either side of it. If I was a Star Trek robot, I'd blow up with a logic yeah. loop going on. How, how does that get introduced as is, without justification on either side, to a history well, lesson. Well, I think you're. It's unfair. I think I, one thing I learned. It's I feel like it's unfair to judge the choices and things that happen in history because we'll never understand the the reality of what was happening because we can never relive that moment. And I think that's really like when you're looking at the decisions made. I you can't say that was a bad decision or a good, I mean I can't I well, can't that's fairly my point. say you that can't, like, you know my thought was they should have just taken you, you know put them all down and and done what they could with the notes left behind <laughs> and for you know if those of you who don't know Operation Paperclip I'm sure most of you do it's uh, after World War II America needed the German rocket scientists to get us to the moon and if mm -hmm. we didn't get them 
the Soviets would have. Soviets would, yeah. We got the moon courtesy of Nazis. Yeah. So are you, so are you, so are you asking how can we, you know, because I know that there is a movement, um, and, and I noticed this uh, in, in an episode of The X-Files where they talked about Operation Paperclip, mm-hmm. where there was this, you know, I can't, it was like one of America's least shining moments when they, when they brought those scientists over, are you are you referring to how do you deal with something like that? Because I can I can give you a brief summary right now as to why Operation Paperclip was a was justified and a brilliant idea. Uh, please, because uh, with me, I couldn't wrap myself around either side of it. It was just so big for me to, for my little brain to encompass that it had to okay. be done. But it, because it was done, it, bad it, things. So please take that. It, it, Okay, it had to be done. Okay, Werner von Braun was was a brilliant, brilliant man who got much of his information from a Russian scientist who lived about forty years prior, and and that's kind of how the Soviets got um, got a lot of their their rocket technology. But but what people have to understand is that before Nazism, before Hitler took over Germany in nineteen thirty three. The Soviet Union was still our enemy. They were the enemy of the West. They had been the enemy of the West since 1917 or 1918, when when uh, Germany stupidly uh, allowed Lenin to travel through their country uh, to Russia and just basically released a virus. But the Soviets had been our enemy. You know, the the, the Central European, the, the East European powers, had feared the Soviets long before they feared the Nazis. And, and it, it's part of the reason why so many of them sided with Germany against Stalin. You know, you got to remember, Stalin Stalin helped start World War II also when he uh, invaded Poland two weeks after Germany. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they went on and they invaded the Baltic nations, Finland and, and Romania. But when World War II was ending, you know, um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt and Churchill both were getting a little suspicious about the Soviets. And then it, it moved on into Truman also. They were very suspicious about the Soviets. They, uh, they never trusted them from the beginning, but they were like, okay, well, he's, you know, Hitler up until June 22nd of 41 when Hitler stabbed Stalin in the back. That there was no trust of the Soviets, and the Soviets, with the way they treated Poland, they knew that, we are going to trade one tyranny to another tyranny. They knew this. Churchill knew it. Churchill even regretted having given the Soviets so much aid. So now we are at a stage where we know the Cold War is about to start. People like Patton had been warning about the, about the Soviet Union. So we have these scientists um, led by Werner von Braun. They're surrounded. The East, are, the Soviets are approaching the West. The uh, U.S., Britain, France, Canada, and they decide. You know what? We are going to be much better off. Let's, you know, if we go to the West, if we if we let the U. capture us, um, because they did not want that type of technology that was in their brains given to another tyrant, Joseph Stalin, who was just as evil as Adolf Hitler. So. We knew that the next step was going to be the Cold War. We didn't want it. We hoped that maybe the Soviets would work with us. They, many, many knew it wasn't going to happen, and they were right. So if those scientists had a choice, they could either kill themselves, they could either go to the West, or they could go to the East. They chose to go to the West. 
the West, the United States, Britain, acquired the technology that they gave us, we were able to use it not only for military purposes, but also for space. They were going to have to go somewhere. They might as well have come to us where we're going to use them for much better means than the tyrannical Soviet empire. So that is how you can justify it. Because if we didn't get them, the Soviets would get them, and they would be far ahead of us. And I think that's still going on today. Would you say that kind of mentality when it comes to the, the harsh reality of war? We, that's mm-hmm. the, I think we're, we're, we as a people are put up in those same positions Making you have well, to make a choice. Well, context matters, and that's kind of my point here: is that if you just say we brought Nazis over to get us to the but, moon, period, and uh, draw your own conclusion, mm-hmm. you know that way dragons lie. Well, you know, are you were they? I don't know what their political affiliation was, but we didn't bring Nazis over. We brought scientists over. Those scientists would have done what they could wherever they were. You know, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, what, what now? You know, this is what I hate is when, uh, <laughs> what, what's that famous smart guy, the one that was in Germany and came to the U.S.? Einstein. Oh, Einstein. Yeah, Albert. Wow. Einstein. Albert. Albert Einstein. Okay, Albert you got Einstein. got Vern Werner in, but you didn't get Einstein. Come on. I know, I know. I know. That happens to me. Hey, I'm 53 years old. I, <laughs> I tend to, I'm not as snappy as I, as I used to be, but... Uh, but, you know, like uh, Sigmund Freud and Albert Einstein lived in Germany and Austria uh, during the rise of, of Hitler, and, and they, they realized that they had to leave. But you had other scientists. Uh, I think it was Heisenberg. Uh, Heisenberg uh, stayed in Germany. Uh, Werner von Braun was in Germany. But, but they stayed there because they were Germans. But it, it didn't necessarily mean that they were Nazis. It just meant that they were, they were doing it for their country. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if we got them out of Germany, they realized, you know, Germany Germany's about to get, you know, pounded on both sides. If, they, if we can get them out of there and they can come to the United States and provide a useful tool so that we can um, advance our space knowledge, um, then, okay, then what, what's, what is the big deal? That, that's kind of how you have to look at it. We did not, we did not bring... Nazi political leaders over so that we can learn from them. I mean, they were pretty much imprisoned or executed. So, you know, you, we had those Nuremberg trials. Mm-hmm. So people that, whose, whose main goal was war crimes, yes, they were punished. But people who were, say, scientists, or even people who were, say, soldiers, we didn't, and who didn't commit war crimes, who were not involved in the Holocaust, okay, then it is, is it is it wise to just eliminate them simply because they happen to be Germans? I mean, look what happened. Uh, look what happened in Iraq when we didn't. We just basically. Um, oh, you're part of the Ba'ath Party. Okay, you've lost your job. You're done. You're out of here. And look what ended up happening in Iraq after the invasion. Same thing could have happened to Germany if we just suddenly told every single person who is in some position of power. Oh well, since you're German. Uh, we're taking over, and that's it. You're done. It, it breeds resentment from the population. Um, it's the reason why World War One led into World War Two. We treated the Germans and the Japanese quite well after World War Two, and they're both now our allies. Mm-hmm. They never gave us. They didn't really give us trouble after that. 
we've kind of proven the point here that Arthur like raised that unfortunately we're out of time and this is but we're scratching the surface on this I mean the, the content well, it sounds the like you should check out the Sons of History to continue I the conversation I am so Sean. adding Sons of History to <laughs> yeah. my podcast list I, I'm telling you this is fascinating I think this should become required reading in homeworks uh, see I, I do conspiracy theories listening. I don't do actual yeah, no. facts <laughs> That's yeah, the thing. Now, you are more than welcome to transcribe all of what we say and then read it. Well, my company <laughs> offers transcription services, unlike others I'll mention. So we'll just, oh you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we we got to get going, guys. Uh, this has been out. a fascinating conversation. There's so many questions. The conversation's going, and I, uh, Alan and, and Dustin, I uh, encourage both of you, when you hit our, our yeah, Facebook page, He's not only talking, so just, yeah. just play the music. There you go. Play me off. But And keep the conversation going, everybody. We'll see you next week. Dick and week. Skippy, we'll see you on Monday. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you, guys. Sons of History, check out their information in the description, uh, all their links, website, YouTube, all that stuff. And we'll see you later, 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 later. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.